Welcome back to After the Buzzer Sports Talk, and I'm your host, Aiden Mayer. Alright guys, welcome back for another episode. Uh, in today's episode, we will be discussing six possible Bradley Beal trades. I know a week, one week ago, in the past seven days, we probably had four podcasts, and three of them, uh, the first... Um, one, we did the Russell Westbrook trade finder. Last episode, we did the Chris Paul trade finder. Now we're doing the Bradley Beal trade finder. We heard the news. He's out of uh, Washington. I'm going to get more into that when we uh, after the intro here. Uh, but we heard the news, so I got to do six possible trades for Bradley Beal. Then we're going to get to the Red Sox series versus the Dodgers. Uh, they dropped two out of three. And then we are going to discuss the Andrew Kashner trade. Uh, Cashner going from the Orioles to the Boston Red Sox. So we're going to get to, we are going to get to all of that. So first, let's uh, kick things off with the Bradley Beals uh, six possible trades. So let's get to that. Okay, so this has obviously been an absolutely crazy, maybe the most crazy offseason in NBA history. And we could still have possible moves being made. You know, we might have the Chris Paul trade. We talked about that last episode. If you haven't uh, checked that out, I suggest you do it after this episode. Pretty good episode. Good listen. Uh, but anyway, Bradley Beal could definitely be one. Bradley Beal, possible Bradley Beal trade, has been in the talks for months now. It has been a rumor. You know, he's been in the center of a lot of trade talks, and many teams show have shown interest in Bradley Beal. Now I'm going to show, uh, you know, pull up with six possible destinations for Bradley Beal. There's maybe eight on the table, but I felt like these are six teams that really have a chance. I mean, even one of the teams in here, you know, really hasn't been talked about much for Bradley Beal, but I think it might, there's a possibility um, for it to happen. I just think there's a lot of teams that could potentially, maybe, you know, seven or eight teams I could think of, but really six, you know, really five or six that really, really, really have a at least solid chance of Bradley Beal. Uh, Bradley Beal wants to be a Washington Wizards uh, wizard. The Wizards are really holding on to Bradley Beal. So Bradley Beal is, you know, 25 years old. He put up an all-NBA season last year, uh, type season. And it, he wants to be in Washington, despite the team's late, uh, late struggles of late, I mean to say. And... Washington realizes that he wants to be there and Washington wants him to be there and they want to build around him. So it's going to be really hard to get um, Bradley Beal. It's going to be hard. You're going to have to give up a little more than maybe you think you should just because Washington, really, they are going to be, it's going to be hard to get Bradley Beal. And it has been. They've been in trade talks and some of these teams just, they, they just, the offers were not good enough. Uh, it, it makes sense because, you know, both sides want to be together and, the Wizards know in the back of their heads it's probably the right move to trade Bradley Beal, but they just don't want to. Uh, it's kind of like the Mark Cuban and Chandler Parsons where they were such good friends that you know Mark Cuban wouldn't let Chandler Parsons go, and then finally you know, he had to do what he had to do. Uh, more like they kind of forced them to trade him. But <clears throat> anyway, basically the report came out from Candace Buckner of the Washington Post, an NBA executive predicts he is out of there. So, Candace Buckner, I'm not, I haven't really heard of her before. Apparently, um, she is a well-placed person in the NBA. So, I, I really haven't heard, but she says, if Bradley Beal doesn't sign an extension, he may be out of Washington, which really opens up these trade talks. I mean, we've talked about it before, but we all know Bradley Beal wanted to be in Washington for his career and how Washington wanted to, you know, keep Bradley Beal and build a team around him. Obviously, things can change, but Bradley Beal may actually want outs if he can't get that extension he's looking for. Obviously, you know, even a guy like Bradley Beal knows, you know, one bad injury, you know, he may be on the street like Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas was set up for a max deal, gets hurt, has a bad season, and now he's you know, the third string, he was the third string point guard for the Nuggets last season, get on the minimum dollar, now he's in Washington with Bradley Beal, but, you know, anything like that can happen, these athletes want to be locked in long-term on big contracts where they have the chance, because they know tomorrow, they may not be in this position for this big contract, 
So these guys do want to be locked in. And I think Bradley Beal's the same exact way. I don't blame him for that. So this really, really, really opens up trade talks. Uh, so I got six potential trades. The first one is with my Boston Celtics. The Celtics would receive Bradley Beal. I'll just throw it out there uh, also. Beal has two years left on his deal for $27.9 million a year. So the Celtics would receive Bradley Beal, and the Wizards would receive Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, Semi Ojale, and Memphis's first-round pick in 2020. I don't believe there's a protection on this anymore. Last season, the Celtics owned it, but it was top eight protected, and the Memphis Grizzlies landed the third pick, so obviously that would have been great if it wasn't protected. The Celtics would have had the, I mean, the second pick. Why did I say the third pick? Oh, scratch that. Oh, it's been a long day. Uh, basketball camp this week. It's been a, it's been a long day. Uh, but no, second pick. John Morant. Why was I thinking third? Whatever. You get the point. It would have been great if that was unprotected. The Celtics could have taken R.J. Barrett or John Morant or even traded out of that position. But here we are. It was protected, so now it is 2020. I don't believe there's any protection on that. So I sit here and look at this deal. The Celtics want to pair Kemba Walker with the second star, go out and get Bradley Beal. And when Charlotte had Kemba Walker... I, I talked about them possibly getting Bradley Beal. Now that I look back at it, I'm not really sure they had the assets to do it, but there's definitely a possibility. I thought the two of them potentially could have paired up. I was really like, the Hornets is the move that they're going to make if they uh, they should make. Because if they're going to keep Kemba, get him another star and get him Bradley Beal. That wouldn't make him a championship contender, but you're stepping in the right direction. This trade, they're paired up just in a different team. The Wizards are receiving Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, the Time Lord himself, Semi Oshale, and Memphis's first-round pick, which has some significant value. Uh, a trade I heard, a possible trade I scenario I heard um, was... Gordon Hayward, Semi Ojale, Memphis's 2021st round pick, Boston's 2021st round pick for Bradley Beal. If the Wizards accepted that, I would be so happy. But there's not a chance. Why would the Wizards do that? That doesn't make any sense. That does not make any sense at all. The Memphis pick, yeah, has some decent value. Semi Ojale just seems like he'll be at best a rotational defender. Uh, the Boston first round pick will be in the 20s especially if this trade goes through. And Gordon Hayward is not a player that helps your rebuild. He's a player on a bad contract. He's not getting any younger. He'd be a solid, like, you know, leader. He could get a lot of touches, but he wouldn't help your lottery odds, nor would he probably push you in the playoffs. I doubt, I highly doubt that. So there's no chance. So this is a more, very more realistic trade. If they did that, I'd be the happiest man on earth. But we're going to have to give up assets. Jalen Brown, two years, 6.5 mil. I do believe there's an option after this year. So Jalen Brown's value has definitely decreased since uh, the end of the 2018, 2017-2018 uh, season. Because after you know after that season, we were in talks for a one-for-one one swap, Jalen Brown for Kawhi Leonard. And then Jalen Brown goes out, does not have a very good year last year. You know, he underachieved, if you will, and... He was kind of toxic in the locker room, you know, wasn't as good as the locker room as we thought. We thought he was a decent guy. No, turns out he's not. He didn't have a very good year on the court either, and he's only got one year left on this deal. It's just two years here, but I do believe there is an option. Player or team, I'm not sure. I do believe it's a player option, and he's not going to take 6.5 mil. He would become a restricted free agent, I do believe, though. 99% sure on that. Marcus Smart, three years, 12.5 mil. He is locked in. 12.5 mil, I think, is a solid amount, but the Wizards are not the right team for Marcus Smart. Uh, I threw him in the trade because I feel like the Wizards would be like, yeah, we got a nice defender. But here's the thing. Marcus Smart is a guy who has to play on a contending team, or at least, you know, a solid team. Because I wouldn't really consider the Celtics contenders, but somewhere where he goes out there and competes every night. He's going out there to compete with for the Wizards. That, that that's not doing anything. The Wizards are basically trying to lose. Marcus Smart's not the player if you're you're trying to do that. Uh, like you know, he'd be a horrible fit on teams like the Wizards, the Knicks. You, you got to be a contending team, okay, or at least a very a playoff contender. 
Someone who, you know, he's a guy that's going to go out there and fight every night. I don't think he'd be a very good fit with the Wizards. Uh, you know, I don't think scheme-wise, just the, the, the culture, if you will, that's going to be going on there. It's going to be tank uh, tanking time. Robert Williams, 1.9 mil over the next four years. Oh, that's an awesome contract. Robert Williams is still pretty raw. Uh, he's shown sign, great athleticism. He could be a very good defender one day. A lot of defenders in this deal. This is just, the Wizards are getting a ton of defense back here. Like Jalen Brown can defend. He just has to lock in a little more. Marcus Smart was all uh, NBA defense, uh, defensive team. Robert Williams has a ton of potential defensively. And Semi Oshale is definitely a very good defender. Nothing special like Marcus Smart or whatever, but he's still a solid uh, defender too. But I look at Robert Williams, you got, you know, four years to try to develop this guy. I'll definitely take that. Uh, he is still pretty raw again, but I feel like you could give him the minutes he might need. I mean, he made the roster for the Celtics last season, just didn't play too much. So I feel like in Washington, you know, you know, it'll be one more year in his development. I'm sure in Boston he could at least get a few more minutes. But in Washington, I do think they'd give him at least a few minutes a night to start the year. I feel like that would be a good place for him to develop because he could get those minutes. I'm just not sure how the development system would be, but I know he'd get the minutes. Uh, and semi Oshale, two years, 1.6 mil. It's definitely a solid contract. semi Oshale again, a rotational defender, a guy that can step up. He stepped up. Well, I thought he'd really step up more, but he did at least. I thought he'd step up more in that Buck series, but he still stepped up and took on about 10 to 12 minutes a night, tried to defend Giannis. I mean, he was the best, probably arguably the best man-to-man defender um, for a guy like Giannis on the Celtics. I mean, you had Marcus Martin, Al Horford, who were definitely your two best defenders. But against a guy like Giannis, Marcus Smart's too small. Al Horford did work for game one, but you know they just couldn't consistently do that. I, I don't think Semi Ojale was the best man-to-man now that I think about it because Al Horford did stop Giannis in that first game, but... Still, I just overall in the series, I think he he did a solid job, but I wouldn't say he's the best. I, I take back those words. And the Memphis first round pick's gonna have some significant value. I think they may, yeah, they add John Morant, but they get rid of Mike Conley. Um, yeah, they do add guys like Jay Crowder. So I do think Memphis has the potential. You know, what was their record last season? Let me look it up real quick. Uh, sorry, I wish I just had these standings, you know, open um, right away, but. Um, they were somewhere. They were at the bottom of the. Um, they were at the bottom of the West. I can tell you that. I mean, they had like the eighth best odds in the lottery, so they're like the eighth worst team. Ended up landing the second spot though. So last season, uh, Memphis came in twelfth place with a record of thirty three and forty nine. I think their you know ceiling is probably thirty six wins, three wins better because Jaron Jackson could come back be a little better. Jonas Valanciunas, same thing, but. I don't think John Morant will be an upgrade over Mike Conley in that first year because I think you know John Morant would take a little adjusting. I don't think that rookie year will come out and be better than Mike Conley. I just don't. So, you know, Max, I see this team with 36, 37 wins. So that pick is going to have some value, definitely. I mean, that trade de- definitely looks appealing. If I was a Celtics fan, I would have mixed emotions about that because I'm giving up two very good young players and two players, you know, I'm giving up two very good young players. I'm giving up one with some potential to be a very, you know, a solid player, and one who's more of just a rotational defender. Semi Ojale doesn't hurt too much, but, and that first round pick for Bradley Beal. I better hope Beal and Walker fit. I better hope Beal ends up re signing and just working out in Boston, and that we can kind of, this actually wouldn't be bad because it, you know, the thinner the rotation, I feel like the better. I, I would like to see some depth in Boston, but I feel like last season they had too much depth uh, on this team. They couldn't, you know, they couldn't split the minutes evenly. So uh, I would like to see the Celtics get some front court help too. But that that's the topic for another day. It says trade NBA here. Plus three wins for the Celtics, minus three for the Wizards. I'd say that's I'd say that's a pretty fair estimate. You know, I'd say around maybe four wins for the Celtics plus. But I mean, I do think in the long run that that's a pretty good deal. If he could sign back, I mean, Bradley Beal. It's not like he's too much older than Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart. He also he's only twenty five. So you know, the prime of his career is coming up, kind of like Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart. You know, these guys. So it's not like you're getting like a veteran in Bradley Beal. His 
best days are hopefully yet to come. You know, hopefully there's no injuries or anything. But I wouldn't mind this trade if I was the Celtics or the Wizards. I'm getting back four solid young players and a very valuable pick. That would be a good trade for, I think, both sides. Second trade is with the Miami Heat. Here the Heat would receive Bradley Beal and Jordan McRae. And the Wizards would receive Bam out of Bio, Justice Winslow, Dion Waiters, uh, Miami's 2025 first rounder, and uh, Philadelphia's 2022 second rounder. Uh, it says Philadelphia or Denver, I do believe. So via Philadelphia or Denver, I think whichever one is less favorable. Anyway, it's a second round pick. I think both teams will be very close in the standings anyway. I mean, that's 2022, but both have pretty bright futures. Uh, but anyway, for the Heat here, it's clear they want to get give Jimmy Butler that second star. We talked about Bradley Beal, you know, going to the Heat. Uh, right when the Jimmy Butler signing happened. And then we talked about Russell Westbrook, possibly Chris Paul now. I think if at this point, honestly, they missed out on Russell Westbrook, if they miss out on Chris Paul, now all of a sudden it kind of shifts gears back to Bradley Beal. Possibly Kyle Lowry as well. We're not really too sure on that. I mean, I right now it seems like they're front, they're, uh, front runners to get Chris Paul at this point in time. But again, we're not really too sure. If they do miss out on Chris Paul, he could really shift gears back to Bradley Beal. They don't seem, you know, as much as we sit here and say they're probably the front runners to get Chris Paul, from what I've heard, they're kind of hesitant toward getting him. Like, okay, so he's not really, you know, getting the package back that they really, really want. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But in this trade, I, I feel like it says no change in projected wins for both sides. I don't believe that's true. You know, maybe the uh, Heat are giving up a bit too much, but I don't really think so. Uh, Bam Adebayo is a nice, solid center, but I feel like his value has been overrated a bit on the trade market. I know he's, you know, locked in for three years on a $3.4 million deal, and he is a nice young center. I'm not denying that. But what is he going to be at best? In average center, maybe slightly over average center. Like I don't, I just don't really see him being like any star. Justice Winslow's kind of the same thing. Thirteen mil over the next three years. I mean, maybe that's. I think that's a solid deal for now, but I don't see him being any star. I could see him being an over average point forward for sure. Um, but you know, you're getting two solid young players. No future all stars. I doubt either of them will be a future all star. I just think they'll be two you know, over-average pros, you know, to, you know, maybe when Justice Winslow and Van Matabio hit their prime, maybe they're considered a fringe star. I just see two solid pros. Like, they're going to be two over-average solid pros. I think Adebayo, you know, maybe over-average. He may just be an average center, you know, a solid, reliable average center. We, we I don't really know. Um, I just... <laughs> To be honest, I, I just think his value is being overrated on the market. And then Dion Waiters. Two years, 12.1 mil. Dion Waiters is obviously, you know, not really too liked around the uh, NBA. He's a guy who just is kind of mouthy. And I think the uh, Miami Heat are interested in moving him. He's a bit injury prone as well. I think if they do get, um, if they do get Bradley Beal, Dion Waiters is someone who might not fit that great in that system. So... I, you know, I'd, I'd look, I'd look to move him in this deal, and if it's possible, uh, that's good. That's a thumbs up. Mostly just to make the money work. That's why Dion Waiters is thrown in. And then the second round pick, just a little insurance, just to get the Wizards to uh, bite on this deal. And then the 2025 first round pick, big unknown. By 2025, Bradley Beal's 30. Jimmy Butler is, oh God, uh, he, <laughs> let me just tell you, he's over 32. At least I don't know what his exact age is, but he's he's up there in age. So neither of them are really in their prime. Bradley Beal's still probably a solid player. Jimmy Butler's definitely on decline. If he's even still there, Bradley Beal might not be there either. So I think that pick could actually have some value. I think by 2025, I kind of look at the Heat. Bradley Beal is no guarantees he comes back. Jimmy Butler could be off his contract by then. Even if they do resign, they're both 30 and over. So. Unless I unless Tyler Hero turns into something special and Bradley Beal and Jimmy Butler do leave by like 2020, you know, fourth, 2023, all of a sudden they get like a good traffic, get a great young player, you know, maybe they are something. I don't I don't really know. It's just tough to tell because it's 2025. No one's really on a contract till 2025 at this point. A few players. 
you know, maybe one on each team. You just don't really know um, what's going to happen. Injuries, too. Like, you know, when Derrick Rose back in, you know, 2008, we were all assuming by 2013 he was probably going to still be, like, the best player in the league. But it turns out by 2013, Derrick Rose was just some injury-prone point guard that just couldn't stay healthy and was nowhere close to the best player in the league, or at least close to it at that point. So you just don't know. You don't know what's in holds for 2025, and that's why I think, you know, even if you think a team has a solid, bright future, I don't think that of the, you know, the Heat, especially if they make this trade, but you just never know. A team may look like they have a bright future, you know, and should be set for 2025, and it turns out maybe they're the worst team in the league by 2025. And, you know, maybe there's a, you know, a team that looks like, oh, they have a crappy future. And it turns out they're a title contending team by 2025. That's why when we make these predictions, sometimes we make a prediction a month ahead and, you know, totally whack them up. Uh, never mind five years ahead. You saw Bleacher Report's list of the top 25 or 15 or 20 players in the league uh by this year, and, like, Andrew Wiggins was number two. You just don't know. It looked like Andrew Wiggins. That was a definite possibility. DeMarcus Cousins was number three. Is that even close? LeBron wasn't even on the list. So you just look at some of these guys, and you just don't know. You really just don't know. And I think that's the same thing with that pick. I think I kind of explained that in yesterday's episode. So if you already heard me rant about that, I'm sorry. Uh, And the reason I threw in Jordan McRae along with Bradley Beal, I just think, just for the heat, even because the Heat kind of look at this and you know no change in projected wins. I do think it would benefit the Heat a little, but not by a whole lot. So just throwing a guy like Jordan McRae who's not not going to really do anything for you, but it gives you just something like yeah we'll throw in this guy on two year you know on like a nice little deal. He probably give you like six points off the bench a night, and you sit there and say you know what sure we'll take that. Just give us a little depth. You know, to kind of make up that second round pick, I guess. I don't really know. Just something to throw in there and get the Heat to accept this deal. I really don't see that as uh, too bad of a deal for the Miami Heat. Uh, really, any side. For the Heat, he, he, I mean, trade NBA thinks no change in projected wins. I disagree. Uh, but that's what they believe. I think that's a pretty solid uh, thing for the Wizards. I just don't really see a uh, future star coming out of that unless um, that they could nail on that heat pick. I mean, I don't want to say, you know, they, they don't get a future star. If you kind of get what I'm saying, I don't want to say, oh, what if that uh, pick does not, you know, it doesn't go in the lottery because we've seen stars come out, you know, outside of the lottery. Giannis at 15, Nikola Jokic in the second round. So I don't want to say that, but that trade, I don't really think consists of any stars. I just think a lot of solid players and, you know, a solid pick, potentially. We just don't really know. And then moving on to the Nuggets trade. Nuggets would receive Bradley Beal, and the Wizards would receive Gary Harris, Michael Porter Jr., Torrey Craig, and the Nuggets' 2022 first-round pick. For the Nuggets, this is definitely a solid deal. Four plus, uh, in plus four in projected wins. I think they'd actually be more than that because... Well, actually, plus four, because they don't have much room to improve, really. Because, uh, you know, Michael Porter Jr. didn't play. Torrey Craig was a bench piece for them. And, you know, so essentially, and Gary Harris was definitely a big part of their success. But you know, Bradley Beal's better than Gary Harris. Michael Porter Jr. didn't play. And Torrey Craig was really just a bench piece for them. So, but oh, no, I mean, seriously, Gary Harris is a very good young player. 17.8 mil over the next three years. I definitely think he'll be worth that, and he is worth that when he's uh, playing his best. Uh, obviously, he was injured a lot of last season, so hopefully he can stay healthy. Michael Porter Jr., four years, 3.3 mil. Uh, the sky's the limit, really, for Michael Porter Jr., uh, if I'm going to sit here and be honest with you. Actually, the more I look at, at these deals, I think Bradley Beal only has one year left on his deal. I think that's what it is because Jalen Brown had one year left. Maybe an option, but I that that's just a little fishy to me. I think they they still have two years. Uh, that's weird, but I don't know. Anyway, moving on. Michael Porter Jr. I mean, this guy has obviously struggled with injuries so far throughout his career. He's picked with the 14th pick by the Nuggets. With this guy, for this guy, the sky's the limit. His potential is off the charts. Michael Porter Jr. is a very good player. Injuries are really the only thing holding him back. If he can, you know, stay healthy or at least fight off the injuries and at least be a Joel Embiid where, you know, maybe he only plays 60 to, you know, 60, 
eight games max a season for your career. You know, if you miss 14 games to maybe 32 games as a regular season, that would be great. I mean, that would actually be success because Michael Porter Jr. is hurt again now. So hopefully he can come back. I mean, this guy, he really has a lot of potential. And his value is definitely going down at the moment because, you know, his first year he was hurt. And now he's hurt again. So these injuries are really decreasing his value. It, the injuries decreased his value on draft night. But I still think there is definitely value for Michael Porter Jr. And I still think I look at him as a pretty uh, valuable um trade chip i i really just you know the thing that's this horrible thing about though is these injuries you know maybe he gets on the court does solid but then he's hurt again and eventually the injuries are going to catch up with him it's not like he's just going to keep returning from these injuries and then playing well and then getting hurt again eventually the injuries are going to catch up with him and he's not gonna you know be that good of a player the player that we know he can be then the story Craig two mil over the next two years. He's really just a good wing defender, very underrated player. He fights hard. He's an amazing wing defender. So I mean, a lot of defense in these trades. I mean, Gary Harris, Michael Porter Jr. are not great at defense, but when I look at some of these trades, like the Celtics trade was full of all defenders. All four players can play defense. The Wizards trade, not really, but Bam Adebayo has been horrible at defense and. This one, Tory Craig. So, they, you know, I, I just feel like there's been a lot of defensive-minded players. And the 2022 first-round pick, just a little extra asset to throw in there for the Wizards to try to add a pick to their uh, little collection. It's nothing big, but try to add one more pick. It probably doesn't have much value. The uh, Nuggets have a very bright future. I doubt that 2022 pick will be anything special, but... You never know in the NBA draft. You never know where maybe the Nuggets do just have an off year in 2022 and that ends up being a solid pick. And even if it's just a late first rounder, you can get good players in the late first round. So I think they're just going to look to add that pick to their stash. Uh, but again, plus four wins for the Nuggets, minus four for the Wizards. That's a that's about right considering the Nuggets really uh, can't get too, too much better. I'd say you know, maybe... You know, max six plus, you know, plus six wins. But again, they're they were one of the best teams last year. They're going to improve again, just their core in general without Bradley Beal. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I think Bradley Beal, though, that's definitely helping the Nuggets. Uh, but the Wizards uh, definitely get a good young core there uh, and some good uh, assets. Gary Harris, Michael Board Jr., Tory Craig, 2022 first round pick. That sounds like a solid young core to me. Next trades with the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves have been, I mean, just like the um, the Heat have. The Heat and the Timberwolves, and I have, I believe, one more team that has kept uh, popping up in these trade talks. The Pistons will be later, but the Timberwolves just keep popping up in these trade talks. I think they really are interested in getting that second star around Carlin City Town. So they've, slight, you know, they've quietly been in the talks, like, they could potentially get him, but there was never really heavy talks about Bradley Beal and the Timberwolves, but I still don't count that out. This trade would be Bradley Beal going to Minnesota for Andrew Wiggins, Josh Okoji, a 2020 first-round pick, a 2022 first-round pick, a 2025 first-round pick, and a 2021 second-round pick. All those picks belong to Minnesota. So Andrew Wiggins has just really been in all these single trades, and you're like, Aiden, not all these teams are going to be willing to take this contract. I think the Wizards would be uh, if they get a lot of assets back as well. I do think the Wizards are a team that would be willing to, uh, to take him on uh, board. Wiggins, again, is just a, such a wild trade chip. If you haven't listened to some of my recent episodes, go listen to those. I'm sure most of you have, so I'm not really going to explain it. I mean, really, the guy's got great potential, but can the heart, you know, at least get someone near his talent because his heart's what's holding him back. He's a great player. He's touched by the hand of God, but he was not willing to work for it, and he doesn't have the heart. Then there's Josh Okoji, the next four years, 2.5 mil. Again, I'm not really sure if these years are right. It's either three or four. Uh, but Josh Okoji's a great young defender. I know I kind of hated on him a bit at the beginning of the year, just in general. You guys wouldn't really know, uh, just because I thought, yeah, he's in the Rising Stars game. I didn't really think he, you know, quote unquote, deserved it. I don't really want to say that, you know, because obviously he's worked very hard to get to the point he is at. But I, I just thought that maybe there are a few better, uh, a few better options. But the Timberwolves clearly really like Josh Okoji. He's a very good defender. I would like to see his offensive game develop a bit. 
to really make him a uh, good player. But I think he could be like a future Marcus Smart. Uh, a guy that just, he's hard-nosed defensively. Again, a shooting guard as well, same position. Uh, around the same height, I do believe. And just, they could both improve their offensive game, but their you know, hard-nosed defense uh, gives them a name in the NBA. Two different paths to the NBA, but uh, at, the, at the same time, I kind of see that's what he'll, his NBA career, I think, will be around like a Marcus Smart. So, you know, Marcus Smart was part of that Celtics package. I think you're getting a, a little bit younger and more unproven Marcus Smart in Josh Okoji. And then a 2020 first-round pick, the value on that is up for debate. Trade NBA says plus seven wins for the Timberwolves. I'd say it's about right. I think if they had Bradley Beal and only get rid of Wiggins and Okoji, basically I'd say around plus seven wins is a very uh, good estimate. Uh, in the standings last year, the Timberwolves were in, let's see here, 14, 11th place with a record of 36 and 46. So, Plus seven wins based off last season would be about four, uh, 43 wins. So that's potentially a playoff team. I don't know if that'll get you in the playoffs in the West. So that 2020 first round pick, even with Bradley Beal, even with this trade, if they get plus seven, plus eight wins, again, maybe their core right now gets a little better, a little worse. Most people think it's going to get a little worse. So I'm not really even sure with Bradley Beal that they're a playoff team. So that 2020 first round pick could be in the lottery. If not, it's right outside the lottery. The 2022 first-round pick by then, if Bradley Beal stays, Carl Anthony Towns continues to develop, maybe Jared Colbert becomes a solid piece, although I think he's going to bust, but who knows. Um, we'll see what happens. It's tough even to tell by 2022 because you don't know, but if Bradley Beal stays, Carl Anthony Towns continues to develop, maybe they can tack on a third star. I'm not really sure what the value of that will be, but that's a kind of a big question mark. The 2025 pick is a huge question mark for really any team, and then you tack on the 2021 second-round pick. Wizards just getting a stash of picks, a future basically Marcus Smart in my eyes, and a very, very risky player in Andrew Wiggins who's on a bad contract, has a ton of talent, but he doesn't have the heart to go out there and compete every night. He doesn't have the work ethic. And overall, it's really hurting him, and he's kind of on the decline. But I feel like maybe – I'm not sure Washington's the place where you change your heart, but who knows? Maybe the change of scenery is all I need, but some people believe that. I don't. It's really his heart and his work ethic, uh, to be honest. It's not a bad haul for the Wizards, to be honest. Especially, you know, if those picks – I mean, all three of those first-round picks could really be in the lottery – uh, at least one of them, I think, will. But who knows? All right. The fifth fifth trade? Yes, the fifth trade here is with the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, this trade, the Mavericks would receive Bradley Beal, and the Wizards would receive Tim Hardaway Jr., Justin Jackson, Jalen Brunson. The 2025 first-round pick, a 2020 second-round pick via Utah, a 2021 second-round pick, a 2023 second-round pick, and a 2025 second-round pick. The problem with the Dallas Mavericks is they don't have a ton of assets. They got Luka Doncic, Kristaps Porzingis, but most of their players can either not be traded at all because they were recently signed for or whatever, or some of those players can not be traded with other players. So they can only be traded alone or with other picks. So it's tough. They don't have many players they can trade, and they don't have a ton of picks. Due to the step-in rule, they got a missing... They got like a missing 2023 first round pick and a missing, I think, 2021, something like that. I don't know exactly, but they had missing first rounders. So the Stepien rule did not allow me to really trade any of their picks. So I had to go with the 2025 first rounder. Tim Hardaway Jr. is, you know, I liked Tim. I like Tim Hardaway Jr. just a bit more than most people, but he's not very efficient. He takes a ton of shots. And. You know, just along with those ton of shots, he's not very efficient. He scores like 18 points per game, but it's really only just because of the amount of shots he takes. Uh, it's not that he's very efficient. He just chucks up a ton of shots. And outside of his, you know, shooting ability that's, you know, you could argue has been on the decline. He's kind of inefficient. He really doesn't have a, a whole lot in his skill set outside of that. Then there's Justin Jackson who's really only a few, you know, nice little young player, just like a rotational piece. I can see him as like an eighth man on a roster. Like that's, that's, you know, right now probably like a ninth man, 10th man, but in the future, maybe an eighth, possibly seventh man. Like that's, 
nothing too special. And then there's Jalen Brunson. I love Jalen Brunson. I absolutely love Jalen Brunson. And he three years, 1.4 mils, a great contract. He's already a solid backup point guard. I love Jalen Brunson out of college, out of Villanova. Then coming into the draft, they said he'd be a steal. He had a very underrated rookie year, uh, rookie campaign. And I think he can be actually a solid point guard. I don't think he'll ever be an all-star, but I think he could be like a solid point guard. I think he could be a very good sixth man, maybe an average starter at the NBA level. He'll be nothing special, but I do like Jalen Brunson's game. And I think he brings value to the table. The 2025 first round pick, again, I explained it last episode because I had Dallas uh, moving this for Chris Paul. This pick, you just don't know. With any team, the 2025 first round pick, you just don't know. The 2025 first round pick is one that you don't want to give up just because what ifs. A ton of what ifs. You don't know where your team's going to be in 2025. If you think the pick doesn't have a lot of value, you just don't know. You can't put a price tag on 2025 first round picks in 2019. You just can't do it. You just don't know where that pick's going to be. So it's great to get this pick because you roll the dice and say, I don't know where you're going to be at this point in time. You know, do injuries hurt you? Does a player leave, request a trade? You just don't know. 2025, you're really rolling the dice. Even with a team like Dallas that you, you, looks like they have a bright future, maybe there's an injury. Kristaps doesn't return the same. Luka leaves when his contract's up. We don't know. So that pick could seriously have some value. Then they get a stash of four second-round picks. Um, who traded for this? Uh, the Nikola Mirotic trade. Where they gave up the four, yeah, they gave up the the Bucks gave up four second round picks, and I do believe Stanley Johnson for Nikola Mirotic. Four second round picks overall have some decent value. I mean, you usually hit on almost. I think the number was one of like three and a half for uh, second round picks. So odds are they get like at least a solid bent, like a seventh man out of this. It, they're they're probably I'd say if I had a bet on it you're either gonna get you're probably gonna get a starter and maybe a rotational player or two rotational players you're gonna get something out of that stash and second round picks I feel like are a bit undervalued nowadays because if you stash up second round picks though you know if you put them all together it's like collecting you know coins you collect a t- you know the first round mix of the dollar bills but you know in the Second round picks are the nickels, but if you stuck up a ton of second round picks, all of a sudden that's like two, we're two first rounders. You know, you, you kind of know what I'm getting at here. The second round picks are just undervalued. I think that I've seen a lot of solid players at least get come out of the second round. You don't usually see any stars, but you see solid players who end up being you know nice little starters or nice little bench pieces. You'll rarely get a star out of the second round. We've seen it. You know, Isaiah Thomas, Manu Ginobili, uh, Nikola Jokic, Chris Middleton, just to name a few. We have seen stars. I'm not saying you can't get a star out of the second round. But you can get uh, – and I don't want to count Bobo. Bobo is, a, you know, a talent that I'm, I'm not really call a star yet. He could definitely bust. But a guy like Bobo usually won't follow the second round. But you know what I'm trying to say? Usually just you can get a ton of – there are a lot of solid players that come out of the second round, whether they're nice little starters or bench pieces. So that stash des- definitely has value. And you can, you know, take those that stash and move it um, in a trade. And then the last trade is with the Detroit Pistons here. This is a very interesting one. Maybe a bit unrealistic, but the Pistons receive Bradley Beal. The Wizards receive Andre Drummond, Luke Kennard, and a second-round pick in 2021 via the Los Angeles Lakers. That will probably be at the very end of the draft. Not much value. But again, that one little pick that we say, yeah, just this pick right here. You just don't know. Maybe it ends up being a star. I highly doubt it. You can't value it like that in a trade. You can't sit here if I'm the Pistons and hold back because I don't want to give up this pick that'll probably be like number 55 or 54 at best. So you can't just sit there and not make the trade because of that. But there's obviously possibility, but I highly doubt it. This trade, uh, some would say, is very unrealistic. 
I somewhat agree. Some people are going to sit here and say, I just don't really see him going to the Pistons in general, and I would completely agree. I think that's more the part, like, the Pistons, I haven't really heard that in the rumors, and neither have I. I'm just trying to be creative here, and we never really know. I mean, did we think Kyrie Irving was going to Boston when Cleveland was shopping him? No, we were all thinking possibly Phoenix maybe San Antonio. None of us thought Boston, and yet here we are. So I, I just can't count anything out. You just never know. And I doubt he'll go to the Pistons. I think that's most of the part. Like, that's kind of unrealistic, like the Pistons. But I don't doubt it. I think the Pistons got to make a move, and hopefully they realize that. I think here, wait, the Pistons have been in every single one of my latest trade finders between Ross CP3 and now Bradley Beal. For Ross and CP3, it was all Luke Kennard, Reggie Jackson, Thonmaker, Lynx, and Galloway. Uh, that was the package for uh, CP3, and then it was that package plus picks for Russell Westbrook. But Bradley Beal is the highest, um, has the... Um, most trade value. The reason Bradley Beal is more trade value than Russell Westbrook in CP3 is for these reasons. Yes, Bradley Beal is not locked in long term, but Russell Westbrook and CP3 were both are both older, so they're all both past their primes. They're both on contracts that not many people like. Uh, CP3 is injury prone. That doesn't really go for Russ. And although Russell Westbrook is better than Bradley Beal, you factor in the contract and the age. The trade value, Bradley Beal, is more valuable in the market than Russell Westbrook. Also adding the fact that since OKC was shopping Russell Westbrook and looking to move him, that gave teams a bit of leverage. Like, all right, you're kind of a little bit desperate to get rid of him. You know you need to get rid of him. With Bradley Beal, the Wizards may know they need to get rid of him, but they really don't want to, and they're holding on to him tight, so it's going to take a little extra as well. So that's why they're giving up Andre Drummond rather than Reggie Jackson and stuff. Andre Drummond, Luke Kennard, and that second-round pick. Just that second-round pick has very little value, but it's just a little thing to throw in there. Luke Kennard, 3.8 mil over the next three years. He's a nice little wing shooter. I've said it. I'm sorry if you listen to this podcast. I've been a bit repetitive today because a lot of these players are kind of similar, some of these packages. And then Andre Drummond, 27.9 mil over the next two years. On the same exact contract as Bradley Beal. Same exact one. Same money, same amount of years. Okay. Bradley Beal is better than Andre Drummond. And I think Bradley Beal adds shooting. I think Bradley Beal adds more of what you need than Andre Drummond. I feel like you already have a solid front court, especially with Blake Griffin. I think Bradley Beal adds a shooter on the wing, a scorer. Andre Drummond is a better defender. He's a better paint player in general, much better rebounder. But Bradley Beal is a much better shooter. He's a much better scorer. You can rely on him late in games, which the Pistons can't with Andre Drummond, and that hurts them. Overall, Bradley Beal is the better player than Andre Drummond. So same exact contract as Andre Drummond. Same exact, same exact thing. So you're basically swapping Bradley Beal and Andre Drummond, and you have to give up Luke Kennard and basically a grain of salt, in a sense. That's not a bad deal. Trade NBA thinks the Pistons minus two uh, decrease in projected wins and plus two for the Wizards. But again, I don't really rely on their uh, win system. I, if you're, This is like your first time listening to the podcast or you haven't listened in a bit. A few episodes ago, I did a trade simulator thing and for the Trailblazers and the Cavs. And it was Kevin Love for Hassan Whiteside in the first round pick. And it said the Trailblazers were minus three wins and the Cavs were plus three. I know Kevin Love's usually hurt. Maybe they were factoring that in, but you can't just assume he's going to get injured this upcoming season. So that was a bit sketchy. So I don't really, you know, rely on this. I mean, for the Pistons, maybe Bradley Beal's not a very good fit, but I don't really see why he'd be a bad one. I mean, what do they have for, you know, players that shoot the ball a lot? Blake Griffin, that's about it. Like, especially with Drummond and Kennard gone, I just don't really see that being a huge problem. Maybe it's just me. They would have a void to fill at center, though. Uh, but Luke Kennard, I mean, yeah, you're going to miss his shooting, but Bradley Beal's going to fill it right back up again. I know, you know, maybe I'm overrating his shooting a bit, but he's still a solid shooter. So when I look at these trades, you guys can decide which trade package is the best. We've 45 minutes and I'm talking about Bradley Beal trades. Usually with Russell Westbrook, it took about like 30, 35 minutes. Chris Paul is like 20, 25 minutes. This was very long, and we still have to get to the Red Sox versus Dodgers series. 
and the Andrew Kaffner trade. So, uh, yeah, uh, which trade do you think was the best? You can think about that yourself or call in on the Anchor mobile app or through Safari. Uh, get the Anchor mobile app, type in after the Buzzer Sports Talk, send a voice message, or do it through Anchor, uh, through Safari, and Safari type in after the Buzzer Sports Talk by Aiden, Aiden Mayer on Anchor, and then send a voice message that way. Again, it's a cool tool, whether you want to do it for this or ask me a question or call in about anything you want to talk about in the sports world. Uh, I'll gladly. We haven't had a caller in a while. If you're new, you can act, Yeah, you can call in. We've had callers before. We've had a few. We've had like five, four or five callers. So just got to get some of them to call back, hopefully. Billy. Uh, I wish Billy would call back. But anyway, moving on to uh, the Red Sox series versus the Dodgers. So let's get to that. All right, so the Dodgers winning two of three against the Red Sox in Fenway. In the Revenge Series, the World Series uh, rematch, the Dodgers were definitely out for blood. Eduardo Rodriguez won you the first game, then Salem Price losing the drop in the next two. I'll say you had, especially yesterday, I think OC you want to hear about yesterday's game because you probably already know the scoop with the last two. I'll just, Sunday Night Baseball is a good game yesterday. First inning, you got A.J. Pollock, that stupid three-run home run. That that was a that was just so stupid. I hated that because it snuck it. Not even did it just sneak in fair at right field, but that was a routine fly ball. But at Fenway Park, that's a home run. It is so um rare to see a home run over there hit to right field, like just in that corner of Fenway Park. At like Dodger Stadium, for example, that's a that's not even at the warning track. So that was a cheap home run. That is a very cheap home run, and he that got him not only one run but three, and that really started the game off for them. So it was also rough base running. Devers gunned out at home. Jackie Bradley Jr. might have cost you the game. Marco Hernandez dribbler to shortstop. Basically, you know, JBJ's on. I think it was with one out or one or no outs, and JBJ's on second base. Marco Hernandez hits a uh, dribble at a shortstop, and JBJ ran and was gunned out by a mile at third base. I noticed Max Muncy can play all over the field, though. I've seen that guy at first, second, third. Not only is he a great hitter, I like Max Muncy a lot. I like his story. I like he, uh, him as a player, great hitter. But the guy's like a utility infielder, too. I figured he'd just be like a first baseman. You, know, you just look at him and say, like, yeah, he's probably like a DH or first baseman. The guy can play all over the place. He's pretty good. He made some good plays in the All-Star game at second. So, yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, but throwing that out there. But, I mean, just some poor base running. You had J.B. Alexander uh, and J.D. Martinez back-to-back. You had some high moments and you had some low moments last night. And it would have been great to win that game, win two of three against the Dodgers because they were seeking blood after losing the World Series. So not only to beat them and really just put the cherry on top, but that would have been a confidence booster for the fans and I think for the Red Sox themselves a bit. Because if you win two of three against that Dodgers team coming out of the All-Star break, you'd be feeling good. But instead you dropped two of three. You're that close. Looking at the standings, you're 50 and 43. Ten games back of the Yankees, six of the Rays. Again, you're I said it time and time again, you're not gonna catch up with the Yankees. And you're probably not gonna catch up with the Rays. I w I don't count the Rays one out, but I I don't bet on it either. You're only four games back. It takes one good series by you, one slip up by then them, and you're really, really close. But at this point, I think you're just shooting for a wild card spot, maybe in the second one. Because if the Rays stay hot, I mean, look at the Rays have played now. If I do the math here, they've played what, 95 games? Yeah, 95 games. You played 93. So there's plenty of baseball to be played around 70 games for, you know, both ball clubs. But I, I'd say if they stay hot here out of the break, they're six and four in the last ten. So are you and the Yankees. But if they continue their success and we're at 
you know, 55 games and the Red Sox are still four games behind or maybe five or six. I'd say at this point you're shooting for the second wild card spot, but it looks like right now the Yankees are going to win your division. The Twins are going to win the AL Central and the Astros are going to win the AL West. You're, I'd say you can at least get the second wild card spot. I mean, when I look at it, yes, the Rays have probably been better than you this season. It stinks to say you might have a little more talent, but it's still, they've had a good season. But the Indians, I mean, I know they have a lot of talent, but I feel like you edge them out talent-wise. You're definitely better than the, than the athletic and Athletics and Rangers. And again, the Angels, oh my god, that Tyler Skaggs thing. Though that game that they just played in Los Angeles was incredible. Just the super, like, all this, like, like hearing the last, com- like, combined no-hitter was the day he was born. It, it, you know, you know the baseball gods. Just don't miss a game. That was incredible. And I'm telling you, they're 6-4 and four in their last 10. They have a chip on their shoulder now. And the Angels are out for, they're gonna, they actually have a playoff shot. I do. Just because of that. Just because of that. I give the Angels actually a chance. And I know I don't want to – that sounds kind of stupid, like Aiden. What? But, yeah, I think most of you kind of understand that this is kind of motivation for them. They're wearing his number for the rest of the season uh, as a little badge, and they're going to look at that. They're going to be motivated because most of these teams are not very motivated every single game. These guys, pretty much every game, are going to be motivated to go out there and give their best for Tyler and make the playoffs for Tyler and really go on a run for Tyler. They're doing it for him, and I give them a chance just because of that. But I still think you're better than them. You're better than the Angels. You're better than the Rangers. Better than the Athletics. You're better. You know the Indians overall talent. They're uh, they've kind of had a season like you where they're they've underachieved. But I still think you're better than them. You're I'd say you're even better than the Rays. But this season they played well, so I don't want to take that away from them. But you should at least get the second wild card spot. Now, when it comes to a wild card game, you're probably pitching David Price because uh, who I'm going to get to, Chris Sale's really struggled lately. Chris Sale does not have a win at Fenway in over a year, and when I saw that stat, I, I like I, I I didn't really cry. This is an exaggeration, obviously, but I kind of wanted to cry. Just like wow, obviously I, I didn't cry. You know, because why would I? That's kind of weird, but. Maybe he hasn't had a lot of starts at Fenway, but, you know, I think, he, you know, he has. I mean, I, I date back, like, that Rockies game where he struck out 17. Come on. He doesn't have a win in over a year, but what was that, in March? Uh, no, not March, because they start in April. Earlier in the season, he struck out 17 against the Rockies, and they still lost. He let up, like, one run. Come on. Like, that that game should have been a win right there, and it wasn't, so... You know, and that's just one game. But Chris Sale, I'm starting to really get concerned. And I've really been defending Chris Sale, but he's to the point where he's calling himself a liability and saying he has no more excuses. And at the beginning of the season, he had an, he had an excuse. You just got the big contract. You know, you got a World Series hangover. You got the ring on your finger. You're coming off a bit of a shoulder problem that was not handled very well. You had a lot of excuses for the slow start. And the fact that your team couldn't close out a game when you pitched, and that the bats were always dead when you pitched. But then the bats started to get going. And now that's the second half. We really can't blame the World Series hangover anymore. And that contract was a few months ago. So now to the point where you're running out of excuses, to the point where he even says, I don't have any more excuses. It's to the point where he sat here and said, yes, I don't have any more excuses. So I'm pitching David Price. I don't really fully trust David Price, but I don't really trust anyone here. I want to pitch Chris Sale that game, but I just can't by what he's done so far. And I know the bats haven't helped him all season, and the closings really struggled when he pitches and when anyone else pitches. But I'm going with Price, and that kind of hurts to say. I was the guy coming into the season that was all David Price. He's not going to have a very good year. And it's not like he's had a stunning year, but he's had the best out of all your pitchers. I'm not putting in Rick Porcello. And Chris Sale at this point has proven I can't I can't trust him in that game. So the Red Sox would pitch up Andrew Kashner. And I'm gonna get to this trade uh you know in a minute, but I just wanna say 
hopefully this isn't the move they uh, the only move they make. But I like that we're adding starting pitching just because we really only have four pitchers at this point. Starting pitchers and those four starting pitchers aren't really getting the job done. So I'm going to get to the Andrew Kashner trade uh, right about now. Okay, so Red Sox fans have had heard the news by now. Andrew Kashner traded from the Orioles to your Boston Red Sox. If you're a Red Sox fan, which I think most of you are, um, he's tra- traded for Ellie. Elio Prado and Nolberth Romero. Oh, yeah. And Andrew Kashner and uh, Cash. I believe it was like $1 million something. Uh, little cash considerations because we know uh, Henry, uh, Dave Dombrowski and the Red Sox organization has been all about the money. And they have the highest payroll in the league, but, you know, they've all been, oh, we don't want to overspend and all this. So, you know, those cash, con- cash considerations were big. I don't know much about Elio Prado and Nolberth Romero. Uh, I know Prado's an outfielder and Romero's kind of utility infielder. Uh, I checked on MLB's top 100 prospects and none, both of them were not on there. Uh, the Red Sox only top 100 prospect, by the way, I throw in there, is 95th, Tristan Casas. He plays first and third base, which just shows you dealt most of your prospects. I would like to get a top pro, like a top 35 prospect or something. I know you're contending, but in the next, like, year or so, I just want, like, a good prospect in the minors. And I know you got a good system right now. You have a lot of young players on the roster, but I want a good young player, a uh, good young prospect. It's just it's hard because they're both, like, 17 years old, so they both have, like, four more years till they get to the majors, three or four. So, yeah, they're probably not going to be ranked that high yet, but Soon, maybe. I mean, I don't know how much you have to give up for Andrew Kasher and a million dollars. I know a million dollars is a lot, but I'm not sure you're giving up very good prospects. I'm sure they're two solid prospects, but I hope they don't turn out to anything too special. I'm sure at least one of them will probably make it to the majors. Maybe both of them. I, I don't really know. But I know Kasher will be able to fill in that five hole, uh, hopefully better than anyone else has. It's, I mean... Cashner, remember, he was swapped straight up for Anthony Rizzo back in 2011 with the Cubs and the Padres. Oh, oh that that just stinks if you're a uh, Padres fan. Uh, but Cashner was good back then. Cashner used to be really good. Uh, but he's 32 now. His fastball is barely average. He does not get really many strikeouts at all anymore. Like, his strikeout ratio... Uh, let me see here. He has so far. I know he doesn't get a lot of strikeouts. How many ha- does he have this year? How many does he have this year? Where is it? What? Where's the strikeouts at? Did, did they just get rid of it? No, they didn't. They didn't get rid of it. Where is it? Just, just not showing up. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. This, this is ridiculous. What? No, sh- there it is. I just couldn't see it. 66 strikeouts in 70 games, so 17 games so far. Yeah, he, he doesn't get a whole lot. Of, again, he does not get many strikeouts, really, at all. And the amount of walks he has is season 29. So he gets just over two strikeouts for every one walk. It's not a very good ratio at all. Okay, that's not a very good ratio at all. I mean, the man's got a just over average... Um, fastball, he's he's can't really buy any strikeouts. Like this guy can't get a strikeout. But he does have a solid slider and a solid changeup. And his E he's pitched ninety six point one innings and his ERA this season is three point eighty three. So he's had a pretty good year. Last year was five point two nine. So he's bounced back pretty well and had a solid year. I've seen him a few times versus the Red Sox, so I've kind of, you know, actually keep kept up with Andrew Kasher, which is a bit weird to say, but I know because I've seen him watch to play the Red Sox a few times. So I, I like it. I do like the deal, but I hope this isn't it. Okay. I, I do like, you know, like Nathan Valdi's going to come back and be your closer, but Nathan Valdi's never played closer. You said the same thing with Matt Barnes, Ryan Brazier, you name it. You were just like, oh, we'll just throw him in there. He's never played closer, but let's just hope he works out. You're doing the same thing with Nathan Avaldi. And, uh, you know, you're doing the same thing. This guy has never played closer. He's injury prone. 
I, I how will he handle back to backs? An injury prone like guy like that. So I think you gotta lay low on Nathan Evaldi, especially at the beginning. You don't want him to get hurt right again. I only really want to play. I don't. I don't want to play Evaldi too much. I know we're starting to get to the point where it's kind of must win games for the Red Sox, but I don't want to play him too much at the beginning. You know, let him come back and ease his way back in because if you rush him back, he could get hurt. You know, his confidence is probably going to be low if you rush him, and then he doesn't do very well. So. You know, let him ease his way back in, and then we'll start playing more and more as the year goes on. No, but this trade was not that bad. I do like that you're filling in that fifth spot in the rotation. I think you need to do it. I think you need that fifth spot. You just don't have one. Hector Velasquez, I don't want. Don't want him in the five hole. You know, Ryan Weber, I just saw him pitching in AAA for the uh, Paw Sox the other day. I was uh, watching it on Nesson. Josh A. Smith. Was has uh, got a start there too, starter too. Remember him, Josh Smith. I, I just don't want to talk about it. I just don't like it. Like Hector Velasquez is a good, solid pro, but he's the guy that should be in the bullpen. In a bullpen, or Ryan Weber, uh, even Brian Johnson has got a, a few starts. The beginning is more at the beginning of the year, but no, I think Castro should come in here, and you know, obviously the fastballs average speed, and he can't really buy a strikeout, but he still had a solid year and kept the runs pretty low. So I like that you're filling that five-hole, but you need to still go out and get a bullpen piece. This is a solid trade, but if this is all that the Red Sox are going to do, then that's not a very good trade. So I'm not a big fan either of giving up more prospects, but I don't really know a lot about these prospects, so I can't really speak uh, on on behalf of those prospects, but I mean, it's, from what I've seen, I think this is a pretty good trade, but I want to see one more move be made. So yeah, that's going to wrap up today's episode. Pretty long episode. Uh, go follow my Instagram at After the Buzzer Sports Talk. Uh, all lowercase, no spaces. Again, that's at After the Buzzer Sports Talk. All lowercase, no spaces. I keep you guys episode uh, updated on episodes. I even uh, do some like uh, collabs, like a top twenty-five players list with the tip-off. Uh, currently it's what I'm doing. Uh, it's pretty cool. I know my schedule's really inconsistent. I don't have a schedule. Like I post this day, this day, I just, I'm busy on all different days. So it's tough for me to do schedule. And that's one thing that probably annoys you guys. I'm sorry, but that's why if you follow my Instagram, I keep you guys updated, uh, there to kind of make up for it. But yeah, thank you guys for listening. Uh, go call it on the Anchor Mobile app and go follow my Instagram. Uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening and I hope to see you next time.